Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and I do fondue. Today we're talking about Minute 57, which begins with Steve telling Howard to get him in as close as he can, and ends with Steve telling them to turn this thing around and get the hell out of here. A lot of Steve talking in this minute. Uh, back on the show today, we have Michael Gravano, host of the podcast, The Superhero Show Show, and Movie of the Year. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back on, despite uh, what I said off air last time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't close. It was close. We had, to, we had to flip a coin to make that decision. But, but you're here, and we're thrilled. All right. We are in this airplane and we're, uh, it's really a conversational minute. A lot of stuff going on between Steve and Peggy, and then Peggy and Howard, and more Steve and Peggy. It is, uh, there's a little, kind of a little love triangle thing going on here. Before we get to the love triangle, let's just talk about the beginning of this. This is the conversation that we left last time. Steve and Peggy were here talking about, uh, you know, the fact that they're up here and he's going to, you know, they were looking at the map and now they're talking about, you know, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in more trouble, this whole thing. Um, and uh, of course the shield, how does, how does this play as far as the relationship goes, the relationship building between Steve and Peggy? Uh, are you a Steve and Peggy fan? I guess is our first question, Mike. Do you, do you <laughs> buy the relationship? Do you stand Steve and Peggy? I stand Steve and Peggy. I don't know if I have a cap <laughs> hat on right now. Uh, Cap's my guy. Was a huge fan of Agent Carter, the TV show, and the one shot. I, I love her as a character. I love Haley Atwell. So yeah, I'd say the only Marvel romance I care about uh, is this one. Mm. None of the other ones have ever done anything for me, really. What about Tony and Pepper? Yeah, they exist. They sure do exist. <laughs> they sure do talk fast at each other. But these yeah, two, I think... It's a real Dawson's <laughs> I think because of these moments, right? Like, we talked last week, there, there's maybe a glimmer in Peggy's eye. Like, they, they do take these baby steps through and because i uh respect joe johnson because it's the 40s and i i love screwball comedies this scene specifically the way they're like you're gonna be in trouble now nah, you're gonna be even more trouble shooting the people uh it feels like <laughs> it harkens back to to that kind of era and kind of movie and so i totally buy them because it, it, it just slowly ratchets up to before they ever are like wait i think we're in freaking love with each other by the end of the movie slow burn slow burn and then we have howard who's sitting out there in the pilot seat, what, imagining he has a chance? No. I think Howard is, he can get anybody he wants. I think he respects Peggy a lot, which I don't think Howard respects that many women, which means he's not going to try to sleep with her. I think Howard has some, you know, backwards 1940s sexual politics. Yeah. Uh, and he's just doing this to mess with her. He's Howard and to mess with Steve more than anything. Oh, so you think that's why he's doing it. First of all, I just have to backtrack a little bit because since you said that and you're like the fast talking dame angle with Haley Atwell, I really think that they should have played that up and had her doing kind of like the, the Barbara Stanwyck, uh, you know, that Lady Eve sort of thing or, or you know, like the mid-Atlantic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. really playing that up with, <laughs> with that thing. That would have been hilarious to have uh, to have Haley do it, the fast talking dame angle with this character. Mm hmm. It's fun seeing Howard doing that, but I guess I never really looked at it like he was intentionally doing it as a way to 
uh, to poke at Steve. So do you think that like Howard has had conversations with Peggy and, and kind of read that, oh, she's kind of into this guy. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to use that to my advantage to kind of like, you know, poke at him a, a bit. I think he likes making everybody slightly uncomfortable and he finds it funny. <laughs> and yeah, he's a, he's a sociopath. Yeah. He, he's just uh, thankfully on our side, right? <laughs> like, yeah. They've harnessed yeah, the good kind. Uh, Cause yeah, I, I think everything <laughs> Tony is Howard is more cause he's in the past. Uh, he's the, he's less woke in every, like, you know, like Howard doesn't go, learn the things Tony goes through and learns, especially at this point. I think, if it's the 40s and Howard is the, like he has to be so young, right? He has to be like a 22 year old billionaire inventor for him to be alive and have a kid who could be alive in the 2000s. Yeah. I have a big issue with the timeline of these two being related. Well, because he, he grows into John Slattery by the time he hits the <laughs> 70s. We should be so lucky. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that would be like, I don't know, having a kid when he was, uh, I don't know, in, how old is he? Do you think that he is when he's having uh, Tony, like in his. 50s? I, I think mean, he's an older. 70? I think he's an older dad. <laughs> he yeah. dies in the 90s, right? The with the whole thing, yeah. Uh, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. He 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 dies in the early 90s, and so yeah. I my assumption has always been he had Tony when he was like 75. <laughs> right, he's a real George Burns, right? Like he just so he just that's even worse. Well, okay, no, but this this is kind of like suddenly I don't know why uh, this is like a, a thing with me, but like the so, most so, important thing. Well, because Tony, I mean Tony, um, Steve is twenty five right now. He was born in nineteen eighteen, as we saw in his little card, and so it, it's nineteen forty three. So he's twenty five years old, and you're making it sound like Howard is actually younger than Steve, which I had never really thought of before but i i guess maybe he is if he was born like maybe in the 20s i think he has to be a little younger than steve to make the rest of his life make sense <laughs> wow I, that's that is weird to me thinking this might it. be harder to swallow <laughs> than the whole than the fact that the whole montage lasts 17 hours <laughs> like, this is this is one of those mind-bending feats of age math that i can't i can't quite rationalize it's best to normally just not think about it i think you're right i think he must be 75 <laughs> like that's important like when did he make his his millions right as a millionaire investor it's a 14 year old i guess <laughs> like i guess just like Tony, very, very young, child genius. sort of techno ingenue. I feel like he must have inherited. I feel like he probably Starks are old money. Got some of that. Oh God, there's a whole, there's another legacy story to be told. Didn't please. we see a Stark family crest uh, in Iron Man when he was uh, flying across the world at one point? When are we going to see the like Braveheart era Stark story? <laughs> He's inventing, <laughs> taking them from bronze to steel weapons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I love this idea that Howard is doing all of this just to, just to poke, because I thought it was so funny that he says, let's go to Lucerne, which is like a hard left and then 250 miles away. <laughs> it's like, really? That's that's quite the date. I mean, I, in the context of the Starks and the things they do for the women in their mm -hmm. lives, it makes total sense. Yeah. But still, I mean, it would be an hour to get there and an hour to get back just to go have some uh, some fondue. Um which, you know, I mean, I guess I guess Lucerne because they need to go somewhere that's safe. And, you know, Switzerland was a neutral country. Uh, and so probably to that end, probably the safest, unless they just turned around and went straight south. 
down into Italy. But um, I don't know. It was, it was just it was such a funny thing for him to say. Mm-hmm. I guess it just struck me as like a total uh, stark thing that he probably was actually hoping to do. And maybe that's the thing. He's doing it to poke to like needle uh, Steve at the same time. Hey, if it works out, yeah, let's do it anyway. Yes, he's like doing the calculations. <laughs> There's like a a nine percent chance this works, but hey, Peggy Carter's a gorgeous woman. I do like fondue. Maybe that's it. He loves that Liechtenstein fondue. Fondue is delicious. I think it's probably harder to get in the forties. Yeah, uh, so he's not having it all the time. And also, if we're going the the angle that Howard is doing it just to mess with Steve, he knows that. So Steve knows. Uh, geography. We, we're learning that because he could drop him in the woods, he'll find a base. Uh, so he, Steve's probably calculating all the, the 250 miles away, but he's a young kid from Brooklyn. He has not heard of fondue. I think Howard, <laughs> again, he's a sociopath. It is all this long thing just to screw with Steve. <laughs> That's really funny. That's really funny in the context of Steve's line, do you fondue, referring to Steve, to he thinks Howard it's a sex and thing. Peggy. He thinks, I think he legit thinks it's a sex thing. <laughs> It it sounds like it could be fondue. Oh, well, that's the joke. Like, I get the joke, but I also now that there is even an iota that Steve is not jumping on top of the euphemism, so to speak, (laughs) I I find that uh, that's just a little gem for this scene. What I love about this moment and part of like why I love Carter as a character is that she doesn't owe him anything. She still is like, maybe I have a crush on this guy. I don't know. We're still like, maybe I'm his superior, but we're definitely just peers. And so any questioning look, she doesn't explain anything. She just keeps changing the subject and shifting on him. She owes him nothing. And again, for the time period it's in, that is awesome. And in like the the, the realm of this is a rom-com type moment, it's even it's awesome that she doesn't even... Uh, she has no comment for him to help him either way. Yeah, even even her looks don't give much, and and it is pretty perfect the way that it's constructed. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very funny scene, and the whole thing, uh, it it plays. I don't know. It just it plays really well. Um, I did do some fondue research because I was curious about that. I guess you know it did actually originate in Switzerland, so it would make sense if you are going to go have fondue in 1943. Switzerland is probably the easiest place to get it because it it hadn't been as widespread until the 50s. It really started kind of making its way. And then really, um, the 60s is when it was popularized in North America. But um, it was promoted in in Switzerland as a national dish by the Swiss Cheese Union in the 30s. (laughs) It's the Got Milk campaign. (laughs) The Swiss Cheese Union. (laughs) They have a Swiss Cheese Union in Switzerland. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> Fond, do you like cheese? Try our new fondue pot. <laughs> I, I, well, I have to ask now, are either of you fans of fondue? <sighs> and I mean that in the food sense. <laughs> You're not saying, do we fondue? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to fondue. I do like, uh, I, I am a fondue I'm a fondue fan. I'm not a fondue freak. And I don't do like the cheesy fondues, weirdly. I do oil-based and oil and meat. Yes. And I do uh, chocolate. Chocolate Wherein I just bathe in it. <clears throat> is that weird? Is that fondue? <laughs> I think is that's it? the ultimate fondue. That is definitely what Steve was imagining. <laughs> that is the ultimate. That might, yeah, that's what Steve is picturing when he says, do you fondue? Them and hot that's, chocolate yeah. together. Uh, I, yeah, I, I celebrate the entire fondue oeuvre of chocolate oil and cheese cheese and i don't get along but that doesn't mean i don't eat it 
Uh, I even have an at-home little chocolate fondue pot and the, the little discs. And uh, yeah. that every four years, I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's that thing. And try to use it. <laughs> oh, pull it out. Oh, right. I forgot we had this thing. I, I, my daughter is a white chocolate fondue mm. fanatic. And so I, for, you know, she went to college. And so, um, I don't get it as much. I, I suffer at her absence okay. in my fondue. I thought you were saying she a... went to college and just learned to love white chocolate. These liberal <laughs> bastions are changing our <laughs> <her> kids. <laughs> we are chocolate. a milk chocolate household. No. <laughs> what are they teaching? What am I paying for? <laughs> I a chocolate fondue is great. I, I grew up. Uh, we would oil fondue a lot. Um, cheese fondues I've had, but not nearly as frequently. But I do enjoy them. And I didn't know this that you could actually do a wine fondue. Which what? actually, I'm like, why have I not known this? Because that sounds like the perfect way to do a fondue. What do you? No, no, wait. I'm going to need wine? more about that. Yeah. It's, Hot wine? Yeah, it's it's fondue bourguignon, bourguignon, bourguignon. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to say that. I great. think hit the uh, gas. Yeah, but it's wine fondue instead bourguignon. of oil. And, <laughs> and you boil the wine, but then you season it with salt, pepper, garlic, onions, and herbs. And you could all, or you could do a white, uh, a white wine version as well. And you dip uh, meat, fish, or vegetables in it. Wow. That sounds amazing. I don't know what is... That just sounds weird to me right now. I'm gonna I can't quite imagine dip my that. steak in my mold wine. Yeah, it's in mold. <laughs> right. I don't. I'm not feeling it. It's a holiday classic. I don't. I'm not loving it. I think it's going to be better than you think. I'm going to do it, and uh, you're all going to come over, and it's going to be wonderful. Would you do it? Just do it. I don't know. I don't need to be a part of it. I just need a report of how it goes. Would you do it? I will. Wait, please. I will. I'm going to find a. Back. I'm going to find a wine fondue recipe, and I will let you know how it goes. Would you record a bonus episode of this podcast while you are doing it and talk about the whole experience? Would you do that? Absolutely. Everybody needs to know. The, the world wants to know. Yeah. Movie the world needs to know. <laughs> melting pot, right. All right. Uh, so I have another question here. This is, um, I don't know if it seems odd or if I'm just reading into it or, or what, but does it seem weird? And I, I mean, it's World War II, I know, but when Steve, when they're talking about like shooting at people and Steve's just like, you know, I'll just shoot back. Does that seem weird for, I don't know, for Captain America to like just be thinking about the way I stop people is with a gun? Does that seem like a strange thing or is that is that puny Steve talking here? No, I mean, puny Steve doesn't want to kill anybody, right? Right. So it's like, has the, I think it's, Bucky might be dead is definitely in danger. I'm going to save heroes. I'm going to do what I have to do. Mixed. Like, he knows he's going to kill super Nazis. Uh, mixed with, <laughs> we're in the middle of a rom-com back and forth thing. And so, if he's like, you're going to trouble. Aren't you going to be in trouble? Not if I shoot him first. Like, it, it feels like I'm flirting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I read it more <laughs> as I'm in the middle of flirting more than him being like, I'm going to kill every mofo I see. Right. It's it's less of a Rambo sort of yeah. moment. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that. I also think like there's nothing unnatural about a guy with a gun in a war zone. Yeah. And I've never really had that issue, although I would propose getting shot versus taking the shield in the face like which does more damage, do you think? Like just generally <laughs> Cap is a is a high damage individual, yes. right? Doesn't really matter what he throws at you; it's it's going to be 
you know, regrettable. If if he's like full forward shield, like the full face of the shield is hitting you, your nose and cheekbones and jaw are probably broken. If it's in frisbee mode, you are dead. That thing is cutting you in half, right? Uh, so uh, take his gun. He is still a, a militant individual. My, and my favorite, his unarmed attack is: I'm going to jump up and kick you, like double kick you. <laughs> is amazing. Both feet. <laughs> a both feet kick, I love. Yes. He, the the attacks from Steve uh, sometimes make me laugh uh, because of the, the the way that he manages to use things. The shield is definitely one. I can't wait till we start talking about uh, the pinball shield <laughs> as it bounces yes. around later in the movie. And in future movies, for sure. Uh, but it is one of those things. Uh, speaking of things that somehow somebody has to learn how to do right, but not Steve, apparently. But Also magic shield. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of shields... Do you notice when when he's talking about his shield, uh, it he actually hits it and there is a little ping like it's it yeah. is metal of some sort. It is metal. It's like tin. I I think it's some <laughs> of the sheet metal, little Timmy from like the the movie <laughs> right. real, the news real. Timmy, yeah, it is that because it also I I I swear it indents a little when he whacks it. Like <laughs> it is just slightly better than him having a bunch of aluminum foil, right? Right. <laughs> the uh, this, the shield cracks me up that he's that he thinks that this is a thing to use at this moment, but it is what it is. Um, all right, so we've got this great uh, moment. We've got the transponders uh, here uh, as Peggy, as she avoids replying to him and just gives him a transponder, which is just a, the the greatest block moment. It's just it's so funny. She's like, "Here's your transponder." <laughs> like, there's the end of that conversation. I love that line, though. Uh, is this d- is this going to work? It's been tested more than you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that is a great line, and so on the nose. Because this is Steve's first, other than I guess he hunted down the guy who assassinated Erskine. This is his first use of powers, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And he's already miles behind enemy lines. Uh, yeah. And that I think it goes back to Howard is just tweaking Steve's nose, right? <laughs> we've had theories about what else Steve has been doing on the USO show tour. And we think they probably have him doing quote feats of strength yes. for the audience, uh, you know, <laughs> which of course they think is just stage magic. But of course he's just really just picking up motorcycles or whatever. <laughs> that, yeah. What is funny about the moment about that, that, that test more than you pal is I think it's actually a moment for, for Steve to try throwing something at uh, Howard, also, because he has seen the failure of the flying car. I mean, I don't think Howard knows he was there. Right. But ever since, like every time he is seeing Howard, uh, things don't seem to be working. And when when they he shows up in the lab, Steve or Howard seems kind of like it should it should be fine. I think like he seems a little doubtful. And so I think that's that uh, that uh, Steve's also throwing a little uh, shade at Howard here when he's just like, are you sure this thing works? So I think there's a little give and take going on here. I like that. Yeah, and, and Steve said Howard is very Elon Muskish with like a lot of big promises, but when I test things in front of people, they go horribly bad. Either the car, yeah, oh my goodness, the car dropping when it's supposed to fly versus didn't Musk shoot his bulletproof car and it just broke the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's right on the, the cyber truck yeah. or something. Yeah. So really, the films keep comparing like Tony to Elon Musk, but really, it's Howard. It's Howard. Howard. <laughs> it's really the Elon Musk character here. Oh, that's funny. That is very funny. 
Um, all right, so we get to this point in the minute where suddenly uh, whoever's below, we're assuming it's Hydra, not necessarily the Nazis at this point, but Hydra is shooting at the plane. They're under fire, and uh, Steve makes the decision he's going to jump. He goes and opens the door, and he and Peggy have a little kind of uh, have it out a bit uh, because she says, get back here, we're going to take you all the way in. And he's like, forget that. As soon as I'm clear, turn this thing around to get the hell out of here. And that's pretty much uh, the end of the minute. Um, but how does that decision work for the two of you as far as like, no, I'm just going to jump here versus let's let's weather the bullets and go all the way in. Thoughts on the decision making here? I think, of course, he would jump. Mm-hmm. And that just seems like a totally natural thing. He was going to take a Jeep or possibly run anyway. <laughs> and he <laughs> wants right. them to be safe. Like, like he... You know? This is the Steve who jumped on the dummy grenade. Yeah, right, right. right? Yeah. He doesn't want other people to get hurt. This is the Steve who, in the Avengers, calls out Tony. He's like, you're not the guy who makes a self-sacrifice play. He does not make plans. He just will always sacrifice himself. Yeah. Uh, because maybe Steve doesn't want to live that long. I don't know. I guess my my question there, though, is because Peggy, a moments earlier, said Stark is the best civilian pilot I've ever seen. Uh, he's mad enough to brave this airspace. It makes me wonder. It's like, well, why are they flying so low? Would it have made more sense for them to kind of maybe fly a little bit higher so they were more out of bullet range and maybe less visible and then drop him in actually um, over the target instead of uh, the way that they've done this? Or at this point, should they just, you know, fly higher? I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think that's why it's it's Steve is gut and instant reactions. Yeah. So she didn't have time to be like, yeah, he'll fly as higher. Steve was like, nope, I'm going to jump out of this plane right now. Yeah, yeah. Is part of this, too, like some sort of demonstration? Because in later movies, as Steve grows and evolves, he becomes more thoughtful. And in this movie, he is, we, I mean, in this sequence particularly, we get what Steve looks like when he's knee-jerk, mm-hmm. right? When he's just reacting on emotion and he's not rational. And I think that's that's part of it. Like, he just he's just going to freight train his way to the destination, and he's not going to be thoughtful and precise. Yeah. You guys in, in past episodes uh, have talked about the meta narrative, right, of the entire MCU in, in a way of the big plot wise. But I think this is the meta narrative of Steve as a hero. This is young, brash, uh, even though he's still virtuous, but young, brash, very untested Steve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I'd love the next line out of Peggy or, or Howard's mouth. It's like, no, 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 I'll just pull up and it'll be fine. And Steve's like, I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> At least he is wearing a parachute. Right. We don't have to explore his. I did not think that. But this is this starts the lo- the trend of Captain's America will jump out of planes yeah. without explaining things. <laughs> jump out of everything. <laughs> right. As people are still trying to tell them, but I just need to tell you one more thing. <laughs> and this, I guess it really is a trend in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. Uh, we've seen we've seen Tony Stark hop out of planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Bruce Banner hop out of planes. Have we seen Thor jump off of anything? I mean, you know, he's got his his hammer, so I guess it doesn't really matter because he just kind of swings his hammer and he goes where he needs to. But so far, he's always up. And they're down. all they're all jumping out of things. Yeah. So I guess it's just a it's a Marvel thing. So I guess the question is going to be who's going to be the first hero that we get to who doesn't jump out of a plane? <laughs> who of looks around and is like, I'm going to land it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride it all the way down. <laughs> Somebody pick me up at the airport. That feels like a Hawkeye move. He's just like, no, I'll stay here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Completely. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know if I have anything else for this minute. Do either of you have any last thoughts? I do not. I think we fun did it. All right. Well, uh, Mike, 
uh, tell everyone again about your shows and where they can tune in. Sure. Uh, if if you like comic book things, and if you're listening to this, you probably do. You should check out the Superhero Show Show, where every week we watch and review every single live-action TV show based on comic books. And if you're more into the movies, check out Movie of the Year. Every season, we pick a year, build a bracket, and make them fight against each other to determine the winner of that year. Uh, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, I like Overcast. Now I'm going to start. I decided that they, they, you can make playlists. Overcast is the best. Stop using that native Apple podcast app. It's the real, literally the worst one out there. Check out Overcast. You're going to love it. <laughs> Not sponsored. I just love them. Not sponsored. As fan, as a fan of Overcast, though, I I thumb up that. I thumbs two thumbs up. What am I trying to say? That was awful. Just thumbing it right up there. <laughs> oh my god. Sometimes I just need to stop talking. Well, we will check out uh, the show. Check out the show notes for the links to all of his shows. Mike, thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you. And Pete. Thank you. I'm going to try and thumb up minute 58 tomorrow. <laughs> thumb it right up. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega. And this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. <laughs> <laughs>